0: Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you'll find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers.
1: Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Business Line SOE podcast. This one, is on my, mon, this one is the monthly podcast on personal finance, and we'll be dealing with asset allocation. Now, most investors, as you know, try to look very hard for the right stocks to buy, the right mutual funds to buy, the bonds to invest in, etc., But in truth, the long-term investment results of investors originate mainly from asset allocation, which is the decision of how much of your portfolio should go into equities, debt, other asset classes, and so on. So that's why we are very pleased to have with us Mr. Nitin Shanbagh, who is the head of investment products with Motilal Oswal Private Health. His team actually does a lot of research on alternative asset classes, multiple asset classes and gives advice to high network clients on where they should allocate their money. Hi, Nitin.
0: Hi, Arti. Pleasure to be here.
1: Uh, today, the biggest question confronting investors is after this bull market whether equities are overvalued. So, if you look at the asset allocation models that are followed by mutual funds in their balanced advantage schemes, etc., they tend to use the Nifty's price earnings ratio or the price to book ratio in order to make decisions on moving from equity to debt. So when you look at such uh, models or valuation ratios, do you feel that this is a good time to book profits on equities and perhaps move a little bit to debt?
0: Yeah, so mere reliance on price to earnings, we believe is uh, perhaps not the right way to go about making an investment decision on deployment. One also needs to take cognizance of where interest rates are in the prevailing scenario. And that's why we at uh, Oswal Private Wealth, have actually put together our own proprietary indicator, which uses not just the price to earnings and price to book, but also factors in what relationship uh, bond yields have to the equity yield uh, at that point of time. And today as we speak, Aarti, the situation as far as large caps are concerned, uh, we believe that large caps are still in fair valuation zone, right? Uh, We do feel that mid and small caps, at least at the index level, Uh, have risen far above their long-term averages, which is also somewhere captured in their uh, forward price-to-earnings ratio. Hmm. And hence, uh, there are pockets of exuberance in the market, which we feel need to be accounted for. At the same time, what we are saying is that this is a good time to get into equities because of the very robust uh, trend of earnings growth. Okay. ever since uh you know uh the covid pandemic you have had uh three consecutive years of double digit earnings growth in india which has never happened before in its history and fiscal year 2024 might just see the fourth consecutive year right and that incredible amount of earnings is a uh, lending cushion to valuations so okay. we believe uh you know, in summary, that from a deployment perspective, one needs to have a bias towards multi-cap and large-cap strategies. Okay. If one is overweight in, in their portfolio, in mid and mm-hmm. small caps, I think there is some room to, to book profits, if at all. But if incremental allocation needs to be done to those segments, I would suggest uh, investors to stagger out their investments over a period of time. But considering the healthy earnings uh, outlook, and the positive outlook that we have on india you know in relation to world growth this still continues to be a good time to invest into equities
1: great that's a somewhat a contrary in perspective because we are hearing a lot of uh, talk about uh, valuations being expensive and so on so that's a good perspective to have uh, we've seen that if investors actually enter at sort of uh, market highs, lifetime highs, etc., if it turns out to be the bull market peak, then it can take time for that equity investment to deliver good returns. For example, investors who entered in 2007 peak, actually, the CAGR returns would be 8 or 9% at the index level. So, do you think we are, for people who enter today, they need to have a fairly long horizon and what would that horizon be?
0: So we are of the view that anytime you enter into equity, you should have a long horizon, irrespective of whether you enter at, uh, you know, cheaper valuations or expensive valuations, right? Right. Uh, Like I mentioned before, uh, you know, from a nifty perspective, the valuations are the same as the long-term averages. So they do not look too expensive, although market levels may be at all-time highs, but valuations are supported by earnings growth. I would recommend any equity investor to come with a minimum mm-hmm. three-year investment horizon, okay. right? And one must take into account this: that uh, at least in the last 20 years or so, which have you know seen multiple market cycles, uh, interim corrections in any calendar year of between 10 to 20 percent is mm-hmm. uh, is an is an order, right? Mm-hmm. So that one cannot escape. And hence, whenever one invests, one needs to understand that, uh, you know, the equity markets are, uh, can be volatile, but they are the most powerful compounding machine, right? So the longer you stay invested, your earnings will support. And at some point of time, there may be a price re-rating or derating. But when you enter, irrespective of where valuations are, the most important thing to do is choose your investments wisely right? So whether you're investing into mutual funds or any other form of equity platforms, it's important to select the right managers, ensure that you know you, you have a diversification of investment styles in your right. portfolio. Merely diversifying across multiple funds will not necessarily give you the, the, the diversification benefit. It's important also to have complementing investment styles in the portfolio and like I said, have a minimum of three years investment horizon.
1: So, it is rarely that both bonds and stocks offer investing opportunities and today we seem to be at one such uh, a juncture because interest rates in India have gone up uh, significantly from the COVID lows and today you see 10 year G6 and even longer term G6 offering 7.4% or so. AAA bonds are at 78 or so which is also so um, in terms of debt how does the investor make this decision because should you go for the long term or should you go for short term because at the other end we're also seeing commercial paper etc yielding very uh, decent returns.
0: yes so one thing that uh, all investors in fixed income markets should know that there has been a change in taxation for uh, fixed income mutual funds uh, since 1st of april right so there is no concept of long term uh, capital gains yes. as far as pure mutual funds are concerned uh, coming to your question uh, the the yield curve today is pretty much flat, flat. if you are getting uh, you know for a for a 3 month paper you could be getting 7% and also at the 10 years you are getting 7% so there is mm-hmm. there is hardly any uh, term spread as we like mm-hmm. to call it, mm-hmm. right in such a situation one needs to have investments across multiple categories, Mm -hmm. while also trying to build up some kind of tax efficiency. Now, what is our current view on fixed income? We believe that uh, interest rates in India are likely to trend lower, perhaps not immediately, but maybe over the next coming year or maybe over the next couple of years. And that is basically uh, based on what we are seeing globally. The US Fed is already uh, you know, mentioning uh, a few rate cuts in calendar year 2024. From an India perspective, our inflation is in control. Our current account deficit is uh, fairly manageable. We are sitting on very healthy Forex reserves as well. We are on a path to fiscal consolidation. And more importantly, uh, in October 2023, the JP Morgan Emerging a bond index included india within its total framework right so that will also lead to foreign inflows coming into the debt market so we do believe that the the long-term gsec uh, is a very good investment opportunity today as one of the categories to invest in within your overall fixed income portfolio okay. we also believe that in addition to that uh now whether you invest in through uh pure gsec bonds or you can invest also in a combination of GSEC funds, right? Yeah. So that's one uh, portion of, of the entire piece. Uh, you could also support that through investment into multi-asset funds. Now, there are two kinds of multi-asset funds that I would recommend investors to look at. One is One is the equity savings fund. Now, yeah. this category typically has anywhere between 25 to 30% in pure equity. Uh, The other 30 to 35% is in pure arbitrage and the rest is into fixed income, right? So it becomes a very good fixed income substitute without too much of volatility, but it offers you the benefit of long-term capital gains tax at the end of one year, which is taxed Mm at 10%, right? And the third category of of mutual fund is the multi-asset fund, right? Uh, Where, you know, typically you would have some portion into equity arbitrage and the remaining into fixed income, right? Mm -hmm. Um, As per the normal categorization rules, if a fund has a minimum of 35% in equity, but less than 65%, -hmm. uh, then that fund gets uh, categorized as, or the the long-term capital gains tax will actually be 20% with indexation. So there are funds like those also which which investors can uh, invest into and lastly uh, one should uh, also look at uh, some of these uh, alternate investment horizons like uh, reits or invits mm. or even some of these private credit funds for hni uh, and ultra hni kind of investors and you need to have a combination of all of these uh, strategies to ensure that your fixed income portfolio really does well from a risk reward p- uh, perspective as well as efficient taxation
1: it's interesting that you mentioned REITs because uh, uh, we have seen some price erosion in REITs in the last couple of years because the co- there was a belief that the commercial real estate market is not doing well. And then the taxation also was adverse, I think. Uh, so uh, do you think that uh, REITs are a good investment despite that? Um,
0: we believe that uh, REITs are a uh, very good investment solution from a long-term perspective. Again, here I would request investors to have a minimum of three to four years uh, from an investment horizon perspective the reason i say that they are a suitable option for fixed income investors is one they are a hybrid investment strategy right which means that uh, they give out a regular cash flow right and whenever the real estate cycle is in an upturn one can expect some amount of capital appreciation also to play out over the next three to four years. Right. And today in India, we are facing that uh, upturn within the real estate uh, sector. After a long period of time, that sector has gone through a lot of disruption. But post-COVID, we have seen a revival in uh, in residential uh, real estate because of rising demand for having uh, larger houses. So at least in the top seven cities, we have seen uh, a tremendous comeback and that demand is likely to sustain itself over the next four to five years. Right. Now, given whatever we are seeing within uh, the uh, the uh, the sector that we live in, uh, the services sector uh, and even the IT sector, uh, we are finding that a lot of corporates are actually starting to go back to work from office, from right. the erstwhile work from home culture. So at some stage, Uh, this is going to reflect into, uh, you know, commercial real estate as well. And uh, like I said, you know, the fact that REITs give you this dual benefit of stable income plus potential capital appreciation, it can be a very, very good value add within fixed income portfolios.
1: What about the taxation of REITs? Uh, It's a bit complex, right?
0: So uh, there are, pretty much two forms of taxation that I'd like to elaborate on. One is the capital gains aspect of things. So if you hold any REIT for more than three years, then it classifies as long-term capital gains and you get a 10% capital gains tax on that. If you sell any REIT uh, within the three-year uh, time period, then that qualifies for short-term capital gains tax at 15%. Okay. Any in- that the yield uh, or the REIT provides is also taxable depending on the nature of the income. So if a REIT gives cash flow in the under the heading of dividend, then that dividend is tax-free in the hands of an investor. And if it is in the nature of interest income, then that interest income is taxable in the hands of the investor at his marginal rate of tax. Okay. So, hence, when investing into the REITs, one needs to be mindful of which are the REITs which actually provide a higher dividend yield mm-hmm. uh, to to you, right? And and choose your investments accordingly.
1: Now, coming to gold. I- gold should have performed well during covid and we have we've had two wars we had russia ukraine and israel us. but you find that uh, gold prices have not shot up really i mean they have performed okay but they have not really shot up why do you think the performance has not been so great and what do you think is the outlook and what should be the allocation to gold
0: so uh, if you look actually look at calendar year 2023 in inr terms gold is up 15% Right. So it, uh, it's, uh, it's a misnomer that gold actually hasn't performed. When we
1: come back to equities, we are finding yes, it. Absolutely.
0: And equities <laughs> are obviously done far, far yeah. better. Yeah. Having said that, for us, gold is an asset which is more like a hedge to risk assets. Right, okay. And we believe that investors who hold a higher proportion of risk assets in their portfolio, which is predominantly equities, mm-hmm. uh, then one should ideally have between 10 to 15% of gold in such portfolios. Now, the way to participate in gold, uh, the most efficient way we believe is through sovereign gold bonds,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: uh, because these bonds, uh, if you hold them till maturity, which is eight years, uh, then there is no long-term or no capital gains whatsoever, right? Yeah. These bonds also provide you a two and a half percent per annum interest, right? So think about it this way that you if you invest into a sovereign gold bond issue, you're actually buying gold 20% cheaper at a pre-tax level mm-hmm. because two and a half percent comes to you as coupon for the next eight years. So that, right. that relates to 20 oh,
1: That's a good way to look at it, yes.
0: Yes, so that is how, how we actually advise investors. Yes. Uh, of course, you, you can also invest through the gold ETFs or the gold funds now. Because it is is a hedge against extreme volatility. Mm -hmm. Whenever the equity markets go through heightened volatility is when we actually see gold doing well. Mm -hmm. For example, in the past, it has done well during the global financial crisis of 2007. Mm -hmm. Even during the COVID uh, period, uh, starting from March 2020, uh, gold did actually well. In the last four to five years, you have had a lot of geopolitical events, as you as you mentioned, uh, and you have had other such events which uh, in part have led to gold actually outperforming uh, some of these risk assets. Uh, so we believe that, as, as I mentioned earlier, any portfolio which has a higher allocation towards equity or other such risk assets should have anywhere between 10 to 15% in gold. And one should ensure that one does not have a price target to it. Mm. you you assume that gold should be part of the portfolio because it's a good inflation hedge, right? And it can deliver well, well when equity does not perform, right? Because gold by itself neither has any cash flow nor any fundamental reason for yes. it to, to, to go up and down. From an outlook perspective, lastly, I would say that uh, the US markets or the US Central Bank has indicated that there could be certain rate cuts starting from cy24 onwards right in such a situation one is likely to see the us dollar depreciate in the short term and the us dollar and gold have an inverse relationship historically Mm. so if the us dollar does depreciate then it augurs well for gold so there is also uh, one more reason for investors to participate
1: right I think U.S. Treasury yields coming down also is good for gold, right? I, is that that also could be possibly linked to the dollar? Deficit.
0: Absolutely, that's correct.
1: Yeah. yeah, right. So, what about silver? I mean, uh, it is a it is a fairly volatile asset class from what I've seen. But today you have the ETF route to participate in it. So, uh, do you advise silver at all as a part of the allocation, or is it a special case kind of?
0: I think silver, as opposed to gold, cannot be part of core allocation. It necessarily has to be tactical. Reason being that historically, silver has exhibited as high a volatility as equities, right? Mm-hmm. It is also an industrial metal, so typically it tends to do well whenever there is an upheaval in the capex cycle within any economy, right? Right. So while gold can be treated as a hedge against inflation or a hedge against extreme heightened volatility, silver does not necessarily exhibit uh, those characteristics. And hence, from a strategic portfolio allocation, we tend to prefer uh, the key asset classes, which are equity, uh, fixed income, and gold as opposed to silver.
1: Hmm. So a final question, I mean, generally on social media, you find the simplistic approach to asset allocation where you say you just do 100 minus age and so on. So what are do you think that formula works for Indian investors? And secondly, what are the factors that a person must consider to make his asset allocation?
0: That's a very good question uh, because that is the, you know, the, the groundwork that you need to set for any portfolio mm-hmm. creation for the long term, right? So the 100 minus the age profile is just one of the ways to to, uh, go about deciding what allocation you should have. Apart from that, you should also think about your current situation as far as uh, your work profile is concerned, right? Uh, You should always have a budget in terms of what is your income and what are your Mm -hmm. household expenses. Uh, So all of these should come together and then you need to decide the asset allocation now let's assume that you are you know a, a 40 year old or a 30 year old right mm-hmm. so i'm assuming that you will have anywhere between uh, let's say 60 to 70% in equity uh, mm-hmm. because you have that much more uh, risk appetite as of now uh, but it's also important to draw up an investment charter an investment mm-hmm. charter will actually outline what are your cash flow requirements whether you have any financial goals to be met after a certain time horizon, right? Mm. So it, it could mean, um, you know, education for your kids. Uh, it could be planning for higher education. It could be, you know, marriage, so on and so forth, right? So all these, or it could even be, you know, buying a house or or going for vacation, you know, all these kind of things will mm. require you to plan very meticulously for cash flows. Mm. Uh, so, hence, all of this can be put together in an in an investment charter, which I would request each investor to make and keep monitoring on a regular basis. Uh, also, what this will uh, you know ensure is that you do not get too concerned with whether the markets are trending upwards or lower. Right. Once you have formulated an asset allocation strategy, one needs to be extremely disciplined. In that asset allocation right and whenever you go overweight on a certain asset class because of market movement it's important to take that corrective action and bring it back to your stated stated asset allocation because what we found really is that in the long term in the long term having a proper asset allocation actually uh, you know gives a more impetus to your performance rather than what the underlying instrument in every asset class does
1: it automatically simplifies your decision-making, right? These questions I asked about whether you should profit, those kind of questions get automated, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much, Nitin. That was a very crisp and 360-degree kind of perspective on different asset classes. Thank you for coming on our show.
0: Thank you very much, Arthi.